The meat of live is Christ. The meat to die is gain. Every moment in between, there'll be joy and there'll be pain. I can't worry about the future or change a thing about my past. I've got this moment to believe and I'm gonna make it last. I am filled to be emptied. This is Pastor Michael Rogers from The Jar at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. right now and um, Lord I just ask that you would speak to our hearts and minds Lord if there's something that we have uh, forgotten about you Lord that you will remind us of that today and Lord if we're learning something new about you may may our hearts be open may our minds be open for what you have to say and Father God if there's anything that Michael and I say that is not you let it be quickly forgotten but if it's from you Lord we just ask that it resonate and buried deep into our, our souls and spirits yes. so that we remember who you are. Um, and Father God, this is an important topic. This is about things unseen. And Lord, we just ask that you would um, move in this ministry, Lord. We want more lives changed for you. Yes. It's not about us. It's all about you. And we want to see people realize that everything else they're looking for doesn't work you work in all of us yes, in Jesus name amen 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 <clears throat> so we are uh, we are talking about what it means to be engaged uh, and the reason we're doing that is because we have um, we've been walking through this process of uh, our core values and things that are important to us and right now we're at a place where we're a we're asking the questions that help us become disciple makers. And so if God is the great I am, then we are the little am I. And so each one of the questions starts out with am I? And the first one we looked at was am I fervently pursuing my faith? The second one that we're looking at and we started last week is am I invested completely? And what we're asking is if God's mission is so important that he, and he gave it to us, he wanted us to be a part of it, then we need to understand what it means to, to invest in it, to take the risk, to believe the benefits are worth it, to believe in the good that God wants to do for us. And so it, when we ask, am I invested completely? What we're really asking is, am I, doing, am I involved enough in what God is doing that I can see the divine appointments when they happen? I can see the opportunities when they happen. I'm not surprised by them, and I'm not caught off guard by them. I am ready to go. I'm ready to do what God has asked me to do right in the moment because I prepared myself for it. So fervently pursuing God, the faith in God is about praying. It's about reading the word. It's about fasting. It's about all the spiritual disciplines that uh, have been passed down to us through the ages from believers before us who were more mature than us or who were uh, still seeking after what God wants. Uh, am I invested completely is all about us saying, am I going to allow God to be the steward of my life? Not just my bank account, not, not, not just my talents, 
but my time, everything about me, my family, my spouse, my kids, am I willing to invest completely in what God is doing and allow him to work through just the life circumstances that I have? So one of our biggest uh, um, phrases that we use, we already talked about it once this morning, is we are connecting real life to our extraordinary God. And so when we invest completely, we're putting ourselves in a position for God to do that for us. And so here is the, we always do a consider question. We ask you to just take 10 or 15 seconds here to allow God to speak to you. And our question this time is, is gathering on Sunday enough? Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18 today. So Ephesians chapter 6, that's in the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible with you, there are Bibles underneath your table. Um, and if you don't have a Bible of your own, please take that with you. That's our gift from us. Um, and, or you can pull it up on your phone and follow along with us. It's really important that you guys see that what we're teaching is from the Lord and not from us. And so we want to make sure that you guys, and also to learn how to find those things. So Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. So at the beginning of Ephesians, right above, above uh, verse 10, starting in verse 9 and um, wrapping up that beginning section, basically what it's saying is, is that although Christians may be at different levels in an earthly uh, in an earthly society, we are all equal before God, right? He sees us all equally, and he does not play favorites. No one person is more important than another person. Um, and then he goes on to say that we're all, you know, we, as we're going to find out, we're all a part of God's army if we're a believer, right? We are, not only are we brothers and sisters, but we're part of this spiritual army that we necessarily may not necessarily be able to see, and so last week we talked about gathering together in a large group and the importance of that and why it's important that we come together on Sundays or Wednesdays or Thursdays or whatever day you gather with your, with your brothers and sisters. But it's really important that we gather together in a large group. But today we're going to talk about, like Michael said, is gathering together on Sunday enough? There's more to it than that. So today we're going to talk about the whole armor of God. And if you look right above, beginning in that chapter, that's your, your Bible should title that, The Whole Armor of God. All right, so we're going to start in verse 10. If you guys are there, say amen. amen. All right. A final word, because remember he's talked about the importance of how we're all on the same level. We're all a part of one family. Starting verse 10, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies or schemes, as some of your Bibles may say, schemes of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places, or in some passages or some translations that say kingdom of darkness. Okay? So like this morning at Solid Rock, Pastor Steve talked about the kingdom of God and what that meant and the beauty of that. And the opposite of that is the kingdom of darkness. And that's where the enemy 
Satan rules and all of his dominions. And if you don't believe in Satan, that's okay because he sees you the same way God sees you, even if you don't believe in him. But there, what he's saying, what his word is saying here is there is a spiritual unseen battle that is going on for you and for me. Okay, and that, that those powerful forces are trying to pull us from depending on God, right? And depending on Jesus, they want us to find other ways, yes. whether it be alcohol, whether it be drugs, whether it be um, physical encounters. Like we're trying to fill that void that's within inside of us and all of the things that go on. And you all know we're in a fallen world, right? We're in a world that is only getting worse from here. And I don't, and I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but it is true. Yeah. It is part of what we're living in. And um, there's that spiritual battle that's going on right. all around us. A couple of things just to make sure that we understand each other. The kingdoms are not equal. This is not an, a good kingdom and an evil kingdom and they have equal power. And so they're fighting with each other and we happen to be on their battlefield. God has allowed for a short time for Satan to be the king of this world, but it is his intention to bring it, to, to take that back. The reason he even has the opportunity is because in some ways is because of our fallen state. We've put ourselves in a position where sometimes it's easier to believe him than it is to believe God. And sometimes we want to believe him because it allows us to be more selfish than we would like to be. The enemy can only corrupt and deceive. But in order to corrupt something, something has to exist that is good to corrupt. And in order to deceive, there has to be a truth that you're trying to cover up. And that truth and that world that God created is greater than anything the enemy has. So this is not a fair fight. But it is a battle. And it's one thing to be aware of a battle, but it's another thing to be engaged in it. And I, this is this is tough. I, I, I want you to understand this is a war that's unlike any other. This is not about taking out the enemy. This is really about setting the captives free. And that's why he says our battle is not against flesh and blood. Because the people that are giving us the most grief, the ones that cause you all kinds of problems, the ones that do things to you that you wish they didn't, the ones that uh, involve themselves in your lives just to mess with you, they're not the enemy. They're the captives. The enemy is the one who is deceiving them and corrupting the good that they've been given. And sometimes when they are corrupted like that, when they're deceived like that, they hurt us. And we have to be willing to go, okay, I know this person hurt me, but they're not the enemy. There's an enemy behind them. They're the captive. And that's why Jesus says, love your enemies. That's why Jesus says to pray for the, those enemies. That's why Jesus says to... So in other words, instead of trying to overcome the people in your life, you're trying to overcome the temptation to make them the enemy and forgive them and love them into his kingdom. And his kingdom is greater than the kingdom of darkness. And, and really, it's, it's all about standing ground, standing firm, <clears throat> right, in our beliefs and standing firm. Like Miss Diane talked about, testified. Somebody's trying to keep her from sharing God's love right? We don't know who that person is. And what, quite frankly, we don't need to know who that person That's is right. because we know who the real enemy is. Right. It's that spiritual being. And here's the thing. In our Western culture, we don't like to talk about this stuff. 
We don't like to talk about spiritual things. We just don't, right? We always label it something else. Um, and if you go to other countries, third world countries or whatever, we've talked about this many times, they're much more open to discuss these kinds of things. But like I said, whether you believe in it or not, we're telling you it's real. And so we have a responsibility to share with you guys and to teach you what that armor of God is so that you could put it on every day and fight the spiritual battle that you're fighting. This body is just, I always like to tell uh, my patients that I work with in hospice, this body is just a car that we're driving down the road in this, this journey on earth. And sometimes that car is broken. <laughs> and sometimes that car does not always work the way it needs to work, okay? But really what matters is more of what's in here. It's our spirit, it's our soul, that's what matters. And that's what moves on at the end of the journey of life. Right? So it's not, I'm not saying you shouldn't take care of the car. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is what Jesus, what God looks at the most at is, is the inside. Our hearts and our spirits, our souls. What, what do we believe in in our minds? Entry into the kingdom of God is very simple. Entry into the kingdom of God is very simple. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in him. And he, I believe that he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the one who's behind everything else. And if I believe in him, then he has promised to save me from everything that I have done. And it doesn't matter what I have done. He said he can save me from everything I have done. He can give me a clean slate. He creates in me a clean heart. He renews a right spirit within me. He gives me an opportunity today to be a different person than I was yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. And the enemy doesn't have the same power that God has. He can't see us from everywhere. He's not that kind of no. uh, entity. He can't do whatever he wants to do. He doesn't have that kind of power. Not like Hollywood. He can't be wherever he wants <laughs> to be. Like he, he is constrained and, de and defined by God. And we have the opportunity to overpower that. And the reason we can't is because of who God is. And that Colossians passage we have speaks right to that. Mm -hmm. So if you want to write this down, Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 through 14. I'm just going to read it for you guys. We were going to have it on the screen, but it's Colossians 1, chapter 13 through 14. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Right? There's that kingdom of God who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Hallelujah. We should be, we should be celebrating that. We are no longer in or a part of the kingdom of darkness when we become a believer of Jesus. We are now a part of the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you all, but if I had to choose between the two kingdoms, I know which kingdom I want to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. The one that wins. <laughs> the one that has victory. That's the one that I want to be in. Not okay? just victory. Joy. Yes. Peace. Love. Mm -hmm. Life. That's the kingdom we're talking about. Right. So starting in, back in Ephesians, chapter, and we'll start with verse 13. Verse 13. So 10 through 12, we just talked about. He's saying, look, there's this spiritual battle. And then in 13, it says, therefore. Right? So anytime you see therefore, that means, okay, I've told you all this stuff. Now let's talk about the good stuff. Here's the reason why I told you all of those things. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. And the first one we're going to talk about, starting in, in uh, 14, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. 
and the body armor or the breastplate of God's righteousness. Right. And we're, we're excited about that because truth, the belt in a Roman uh, uh, soldier's armor, the belt is what holds everything together. It's also like it, it, when he goes into battle, he takes his tunic he's, he, and he stuffs it up under the belt to, to free, his, free up his movement and everything. That belt is, is a, in, in its own way, a way for him to be prepared to attack, to be prepared to move forward. And what you're going to find is all of the kinds of armor that we're talking about is all on the front of you. There's no armor on the back of you. And the reason is for that is because Jesus did not say... Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom and you will have a safe fortress the rest of your life. What he said was the gates of hell will not prevail against you. And that supposes that we are charging the gates of hell. And the belt of truth holds all of that together. If we do not have truth, everything else that, that we have on, on us yeah. falls apart. So then he goes on to talk about, so we talked about the belt of truth and then the breastplate of, of righteousness. righteousness. Yes. So the breastplate is that is what covers your torso. Really the intention of is to cover all your internal organs, but especially your heart. Because that's the easiest, easiest way to kill you. Um, <clears throat> but so the breastplate of righteousness. Remember what we talked about righteousness? Righteousness is right living. It's recognizing how God wants us to live and living that way. And if you think about it, when you live the way that God wants you to live, you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to ask forgiveness for anything. You don't have to regret anything. You don't have to wonder about your relationship with God. And because you are, you are living right, you don't have to worry about your relationship with others. There is, there's nothing that anyone can do to you to hurt your heart if you are living rightly. There may be things that happen that you wish didn't. But that right living protects your heart from whatever uh, the enemy is trying to throw at you. So that's the thing is all of us have these little chinks, these little bits and pieces in our armor that come from our past where we, we regret what we've done. Or we worry about um, how much grace God has because of what we've said or what we've done or what, or who, what we've even thought. Um, and so that, that makes it hard and our hearts wonder and worry. But what God is telling you is, if you're in the kingdom and you say yes to him today, today you have a clean heart. Now protect it with the breastplate of righteousness. From this point, live rightly and you will not regret anything anymore. Right. So then we'll go on to the next verse. 15. For shoes put on the feet of peace or feet of or shoes of peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared or in some translations or ready. All right, so we're gonna talk about the peace or uh, shoes of peace. Yes, the gospel of peace. So the gospel means good news, right? The good news of Jesus is that we are saved, forgiven, redeemed, <laughs> justified, and cleaned. And now we can live however we want. But this, this idea isn't that we go, oh, man, I'm glad I'm saved. The idea is we have, we have been made ready by putting on the shoes of the gospel of peace to go and tell others. So there's a passage in Isaiah that says, how beautiful are the feet that bear good news. And Paul even, uh, he even uh, quotes that in Romans when he's talking about it because he wants us to understand 
that what we're doing, we have a message that we are presenting to the world. There is something that the world needs to know that's going to get rid of their desperation, get rid of their worry, get rid of their anxiety, get rid of their hurt, get rid of all of the things that are keeping them down. And that's the good news that Jesus saves, redeems, justifies, cleans, and sets you on the road to right living. And because that happens, man, you can now be ready for the battle that's coming. And that's why it's important for us to do large gathering, right? And why that's also important to do, to do what we're going to talk about a little bit later, which is small groups. When you're gathering together with other believers in the army, right? We're talking army right now. When you gather together as, 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 as part of that army, as brothers and sisters, why are we, why are we put, we're putting those shoes on and we're tying them. We're lacing them up. We're learning what the word says, what God says. I like that. So when the enemy hits us with those arrows, right, those fiery arrows, which we're going to talk about in a minute, it's going to say that, fiery arrows, then we, we can put that heel up. <laughs> we can block it, right, because we've tied those shoes up. We've laced them up strong. We know what we believe, and, the, and we remember what he says, not what the enemy tells us. I, I would say the value of the gospel of peace as your shoes is that no matter how much he attacks us, it prepares us to move forward. We're always moving forward, no matter what. Because the gospel of peace can be trusted, it's like having really good boots. If you ask anybody who is, especially like in wars like Vietnam, where there was a lot of swamp, one of the big things was keep your socks clean. You know, so you keep your socks clean, keep them dry. You gotta get good boots, right? These are the good boots. These are the good boots. These are the ones that make that long trek easier. These are the ones that keep your feet dry. These are the ones that keep you ready to move. There's no rot in your toes because you have the, the shoes that are going to protect you and help you to move forward. Okay. Then in 16, we keep going. We've done the belt, the shoes, breastplate. and the breastplate. Right. Okay. So heart, good news. Mm -hmm. 16, in addition to all of these, and some translations say in all circumstances, hold up the shield of faith. To stop or extinguish the fiery arrows of the devil. So when the enemy sends his arrows of temptation, of doubt, of lust, of anger, despair, desire, vengeance, all of those things that he uses against us, we can hold up our shield and we can stand up successfully and say, no, I have the shield of faith. I know what I believe because I put my shoes on, I laced them up, I got my heart ready. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Because I've got this shield and it's fire resistant. Amen. And you're not going to get through it. Yeah. Oh, okay. there's so much there. But so there, and Roman soldiers had two different kinds of shields. One was a small buckler and it was used for individual battles. If you're only fighting one person, you want to be able to move that quickly so you can avoid whatever that one person is trying to do to you. But that is not the shield that he's talking about here. There was another shield. And if you've ever seen movies where they showed the Roman armies, there were these big three foot by four foot shields that they would put together and they would interlock them. And it became what they called a shield wall. And when you had a shield wall like that, you were not only protecting yourself, you were protecting the person to your left and to your right, and to some extent, the person behind you, because the shield was large enough to do that. And when you locked them together, there was no way for those arrows to get in to where you are. And this is the kind of, this is how big the shield of faith is. 
is that it not only protects you, but when you are being faithful, the people to your left and to your right are encouraged to be faithful as well. The people behind you are encouraged to follow you as the gospel of peace continues to cause you to move forward. And now you become a formidable foe to set the captives free. And that's the advantage that we have here. Now, those, all those arrows and everything, all of that, all that that's coming at you can be scary if you're trying to do it by yourself. But if you're locking shields, it becomes less scary. Because you know you have somebody helping to defend as well. And let's talk about how they stand, too, with those shields. Yes. They don't just stand up straight, right? They dig in. That's right. They dig in and they push forward. They don't just stand there like this. <laughs> right? When they interlock, they interlock and then they dig into the, in with their heels and they don't move. And a lot of they times, a lot of times, in order to move forward, they're all together and they would all kind of yell. And when they would, they take a step. And they take a step. Because then the shields are all in the same place. Right. So what they're doing is they're working in tandem to advance on the enemy territory. The kingdom of God is increasing every day because there are people locking step, shouting together the good news of Jesus Christ. So then starting in 17... Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, I find it interesting that up to this point, everything we've had on is kind of a protection. Right now, he's starting to talk about we're making the transition into weapons. So not only are we defending ourselves with the things we've just talked about, but now we're going to start transitioning into those weapons to fight the devil, to fight the enemy. Right. Not just to be defensive, but also to like I said, it's not just about digging in. It's moving forward in what we believe. And, yeah. and, and, and moving forward not only for ourselves, but for the people that we love. Mm -hmm. Okay. One of the favorite phrases that Pastor Steve uses when he, when, when he preaches, one of my favorite phrases he uses is, when you do a piece of stupid. Anybody ever done a piece of stupid? I love that phrase. Listen, the helmet of salvation, it's a helmet. What does it protect? Your brain, your mind. The sal salvation protects your mind. If I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he will keep that which I have entrusted to him until that day, then nothing that comes into my mind can affect that. I can have assurance of his salvation. And if that's the case, then I can start having that fight with this stinking thinking that's inside of me. And I can start saying, I know that there are thoughts in there that say I'm not worthy. I know there are thoughts in there that say that I have something to fear. I know that there is something in there that tells me I've done too much for God to forgive me. But the helmet of salvation that says God saved me because of what Jesus did, not because of anything I did, protects my mind from that. Yeah. Oh, y'all don't hear me. Because if you heard me, yes. you'd be amen and like crazy. Yes. This is what it means for salvation to protect you, to give you the opportunity to help to advance the kingdom. Yes, Jesus. Your mind is wrong. Jesus is right. Amen. So you are not worthless. And I, this is what we have found out as we have been dealing with uh, people in all different shapes and sizes, all different situations and circumstances. And I, actually, I was hoping Jamie would be here because she shared this with me. And it was another preacher. I can't remember who he was. Uh, but he said, if you're taking a beating, 
It's because the enemy is scared of you. If you have had struggles in your life and you know that God has called you into something, God has been loving on you for a long time, but every once in a while you just take a beating, that's because the enemy is scared of you. If you are not a part of the army of God and engaged in battle, he's going to leave you alone. You're not hurting him. But if you have the gifts and abilities to advance on his kingdom, he's going to do everything he can to keep you down. He's going to send you lust. He's going to send you addiction. He's going to send you homelessness. Depression. He's going to send you depression. He's going to send you fear. He's going to send you anxiety. And your job is to say, I know whom I have believed. And it don't matter what you throw at me or how much you beat me down. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Get behind me, Satan. And when we do that, it frees us to give the gifts and abilities. And here's the amazing thing. Brothers, sisters, if you're in bad circumstances and you are around people who are in bad circumstances, that means God has strategically placed you to reach the ones he cares most about. It's not because you suddenly found yourself in a bad place and, oh, no, now I don't have anybody to trust. God's going, no, 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 you trust me. You don't trust anybody else. You trust me. And if you do what I say, then you're going to reach the very people that I have been trying to reach for so long and no one would listen. And I have you in this place for such a time as this. It's not by accident that you are where you are. And you have the opportunity to be an influence. You have the opportunity to have to take the, to take back some space that the enemy has moved on. If you remember who the enemy is. Yeah, the enemy's biggest weapon is to get into our minds. Oh, yes. That's where it all starts. Yes. All the things you mentioned begin right here. Begin right there. That's right. We've talked about that in God's recovery. I don't know how many times it starts in the mind, renewing of the mind. Because what you're thinking, he uses that. Yes. He uses that. So when you know that voice inside your mind is not God, you say, I'm putting on that helmet. Get out of my mind. You know what that's you called? You don't belong here. That's called repentance. Amen. I am rethinking what is true. That's what repentance means. I'm going to rethink what is true. I know, God, the world is telling me I'm not worth it. But you have said I am worthy and I am rethinking who I'm going to listen to. Amen. And when that happens, all of a sudden, what I realize is the one weapon I have in my whole arsenal is the word of God. Amen. And the more I understand of the word of God, the more I can fight the, the battle against the enemy so that the captives can be set yeah. free. All right, we're going to move on then. What's the second part of that? Put on the salvation as your helmet. And take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's our other weapon. Okay? This the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And I love what Priscilla Shire says. Salvation isn't just about heaven. It's actually about being empowered on earth. Yes. Yes. Okay. And so we're taking that sword of the spirit. We're taking that Bible in our hands and saying, this is the weapon you've given me. Right. What I'm reading and what I'm reading in this word is what's going in here. Do you see how the helmet and the word go together? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. And it allows us to change. And, and what then happens is, uh, the idea is, the spirit can move best where the word of God is most present. So the more we understand about the Word of God, I, 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 I'm not big on remembering references. I've never been able to do that well, so I can't tell you. There are some references where I know this is where it is, in which book it is, and the chapter and the verse. But a lot of times what God does is He's just speaking the Scripture into me because I've read it so many times. I don't even remember where it comes from. I just know it's coming from Him, and He's speaking into that place, uh, uh, whatever, whoever I'm talking to. And to, that's why it's so important to fervently pursue your faith if you're going to uh, invest completely. is because it's going to give you the, the, uh, the weapons that you need to fight the battles that are coming. Mm -hmm. That's right. right. So how does God activate the armor of God? Okay. So starting in 18, pray. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. And I... That pray in spirit, I feel like he put that all in one in one verse for a reason. Because the Holy Spirit is our other weapon. Yes. Yes. So we've got the word of God. We've got the helmet. We've got the sword of the spirit, right? And then we also have the Holy Spirit within us, inside of us. Exactly. Joined with us. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit also is our weapon because it helps us remember what we read in the word he helps us that's he right helps us he remember. helps us yes. yes he helps us remember what we read in the word right um so pray in the spirit at all times on on every occasion and all means what all, all. Right. and every means every, every single every. one every. every stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere and some, some translations say supplication, and that's a, a big word for basically down on your knees, making your requests known to God. Begging for it. God, please do this. There's a sense of desperation. There's, uh, we, uh, we, we actually got to watch the Jesus Revolution yesterday. And there's one place where uh, one of the characters says desperation. There's power in desperation. We have to be desperate for this battle. God, I'm desperate for my salvation. I am desperate for you to change my life. I'm desperate for you to transform me. And I'm desperate for you to use me to reach the next person. And it, as I'm praying, it starts activating that in me. I start feeling that sense that there is something powerful that's happening in my life. And I can share that with someone else. And that's when testimony begins to just come out of us. And we can't help but tell people. If they want to ask how life is going, they're going to hear about God. Because I see him working in my life right now. That's right. So prayer activates the armor of God. It strengthens that armor. It prepares us. And then the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. So a lot of battles, they're not like on TV or in movies. A lot of times battles lasted for days. And they would actually, the soldiers would actually rest in between the battles. Same goes for us, yes. right? And sometimes in those battles, it's you get weak. You get really weak. You get tired of holding that that fortress, you know, that that defense, or you get tired of pushing forward with that sword of the spirit. And so that Holy Spirit is that other part of us that a part of us inside of us that pushes us forward and gives us that strength. 
and activates that armor of God. And every once in a while our helmet gets askew and we get wounded. Our breastplate comes down a little bit. We, we got to adjust. We, we, we've got to adjust and recognize. But that also means that we better be having this battle in groups instead of alone. So that one of us is wounded, the others can close ranks around them until they can get better. And that's why it's so important for us to find ways to think of that shield of faith and that shield wall and how to build that shield wall. And Sunday gatherings can do that to some extent, but the problem is that we can't possibly speak into every individual life while, we're, while, while you're sitting here. There's just no way for us to do it. So there has to be another vehicle, another way for us to be shielded, to be in such a situation where our faithfulness is dependent on him and dependent on us, but also dependent on the person to our right and our left and maybe one behind us. How can we be shielded from what the enemy is trying to do to us so that we can continue to advance the kingdom? And that's what we're talking about today. And I, I really hope that we had um, an opportunity to show it to you and let you see it. But we're taking that, that phrase that we use, connecting real life to our extraordinary God, and we are beginning to create groups of three or four people who are uh, gathering together and learning how to be a shield wall for each other. Not just that, but are learning how to disciple each other so that we can go on to disciple others. And this is the foundation of our ministry. Sunday gatherings, if you'll, the way we have, we're going to, in a minute, we're going to break and we're going to go into conversation later. And you're going to get an opportunity to do that. And we do that because we're already training you how to be a part of a, what we call a shield group. And a shield group does this. We get together and we share real life. We share one thing we're celebrating. We share one thing we're struggling with. And, it, and the three or four people that are in that group share that. Then that means we know what we're praying about for each other. Right? There's one way to reason to praise God. There's one reason for us to pray for each other. That's real life. But then we got to connect God to it. And so what we do is through the week before we get to that meeting... We read a couple, three chapters of one of the Gospels. And we ask God to show us inside of that. We're not trying to understand. We're seeing the whole picture. We're not trying to understand every single verse. We're asking God to show us a verse that speaks directly into our lives. And when we come in for the week and we talk to our three or four friends, we say, you know, we were reading John 1, 2, and 3. Here's the part that spoke to me the most. And here's why. Because it hits my life here. And then... We, we connect that to our real life. So what is, how does this teach me how to be a friend of God? How does this teach me how to be a partner with God in his mission? And what do I do to, to, um, to, to be filled by God from it and to empty to someone else? And so that last piece, that, that, that whole idea of connecting the two is, okay, I've learned. Here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what I'm excited about. I've learned. Here's how God is speaking to me. Now, here's how I'm going to live that out in my life over the next week. And then when we get back together the following week, then our, our brothers or sisters in the group say, hey, you said last week this was you were going to do this. Have you done that yet? And the idea isn't, if they, if they haven't, the idea isn't to say, how dare you? I can't believe you didn't do that. You need to do that this week and we're gonna, or we're going to make you do 50 push-ups. That's not the idea. It's not a condemning, it's an encouraging accountability. It's not a condemning accountability. It's an encouraging accountability. So instead, so just for instance, uh, I, maybe we got together and I said, I'm, I'm an habitual liar. I don't know why, but I just lie about stuff just to lie about stuff. 
And I need to stop that. I need to be a man of integrity. So this week, I'm not going to lie to my to my friends. I'm just not going to lie to my friends this week. I'm going to tell them the truth no matter what. And we get to the the following week, we get together, and Sherry asks me, hey, Michael, how are you doing? Did you lie to your friends today? And I say, no. <laughs> and Sherry's like, really? Well, okay, yes. I just lied to you now. So I guess... I guess I have to be honest, okay? Sherry doesn't go, how dare you? I can't believe you didn't, uh, you didn't tell the truth to everybody. Instead, she says, okay, maybe that was too much. Maybe you need to take a, a, an early step to that. Tell me one person you're not gonna lie to this week. You see what, what I'm doing? What I'm doing is I'm saying, okay, we're still gonna go to the same place because the gospel of peace says we're on the charge. It doesn't say that we're backing up any. It says we're going to stand our ground or we're going to move forward, one or the other. And so what's one step I can take? Uh, when I was uh, leading a staff, this is one of the things that we'd do. We'd say, okay, we want to do, uh, we've got VBS coming up. We want to do VBS. What are the three steps we need to take to VBS? And they'd tell me the three steps. I'd say, okay, what are the three steps we need to take before we go to step one? Because we would always think of it as this big overarching thing and we already had some assumptions of what, what what we would do and when we went to our congregation we said we're gonna do vbs here's step one they'd be like we don't even know how to get there so we would need to find the three steps to get to step one so the congregation could go with us in the same way when we're holding each other accountable sometimes out of a desire to please god we actually ask more of ourselves than we're able to give right now and so the job of the other group, people in the group is to say you might have asked too much of yourself right there, but God still wants you to head in that direction. So what's a smaller step you could take so you can get to that place? So I say, you know what, Sherry? I'm not going to lie to you anymore. The following week, we get together, and Sherry says, well, did you lie to me? And I say, no. Well, did you? No. Wait, no. No, I didn't lie to you this week. I actually just told the truth there, and I didn't even know I was. Praise the Lord. We praise God. We thank God for the help. And we say, okay, what's the second person you're not going to lie to? And we just start building those victories. Okay? That's what I'm talking about. Disciple making is simple. You think it's about teaching them everything about the Bible. That is not what disciple making is. Disciple making is all of us on the long journey to learn how to be obedient to Jesus in everything that we do. And we've all got to take one more step. You can help me, and I can help you. And shield groups is the way that we think we can start helping each other do that. So here's our reflection time today. Are you ready to be a part of a group like that? Are you seeking after a group like that? And we have, I have a sign-up sheet back here. There's a, a part on the top for men, part on the bottom for women. We, we think that it works best whenever the ladies can talk about things that they wouldn't talk about in front of guys and the guys can talk about things that they wouldn't talk about in front of girls. And we want to be able to put a few groups together. But you just have to let us know that you are interested in being a part of that group. And listen to me, you do not have to be a part of the jar to be a part of one of these groups. The idea isn't to grow the jar this way. The idea is to make disciple makers. We don't care where they are, where they come from, or where they go after this. What matters is that the kingdom of God is advancing, and we are creating a shield wall in Ardmore against the kingdom of darkness.
This is Pastor Michael from The Jar at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore. If you are interested in shield groups and want to know more, please send us a message to info at thejarministries.net or on our Facebook page. We will give you an outline to follow if you want to start your own group or connect you to others who are interested. May God bless you. I am filled.